and welcome to Off the Record. Jesse, uh, I don't turn 22 for two weeks, but I'm celebrating my birthday today after we're done taping this podcast. Oh, wow. Well, I guess it is happy birthday to you. 22. What is- my parents caved on everything, and we're celebrating my birthday. You know, 22 yes. is one of the most insignificant birthdays. I remember when I turned it. It feels I, like a waste. It's it's kind of like one of those ones where you're like, there's no real milestone. Here. Right. You're, you're, all, you're, you're ancient, so give me your perspective. To me, uh, 22 is worth Taylor Swift has now tried to make 22 a thing with her song. And I think that may have a lasting effect on the on, on generations younger than me. But I'm not there. So all I have really left to look forward to, I think, is 23 because of what's my age again. Right? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I can't believe that's the significant thing because to me... That's my significance. Well, I'll tell you what my significance for 23 is, is. That's one of the best Jimmy Eat World songs. That too. There's a few 23 hits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To me, I think I've, I've had this conversation seriously with a few people and no one takes me seriously. I think I may just stop celebrating my birthday after I turn 23. Well, because I'm gonna so, stop getting presents, right? And so after that, I, I, do, do, do I still get presents? Do I'm that? 37. Yeah. You get presents? Yeah, my parent, my parents give me slip me some cash. No presents. Are, our parents are great. Yeah, true I mean, supporters. Yeah, half the show is about them. So I just, I don't know. I feel like should I have we change left. the description to music, tech, and our music parents. business, and our parents? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I just wonder, um, like, after 23, like, do I just stop until I turn 30, and then do I cry when I turn 30? I imagine you're still crying from turning 30. I always heard that thing from people that, um, like, you know when people are like, oh, your 30s are your best years? <sighs> I know you don't believe it, but, you know, everything's so much easier. You just know what to do all the time. You, like, every decision, like, I read, like, you millennials, like, you know, being like, I don't know what to do about this, this, this. All the answers seem really easy to me. Huh. You know, it, it, life's just really easy. You just do it. You do this. You do that. And that's that. Did you help my mom pick out my birthday present this this time around? Uh, you, you know, I think after that, that comment I made, she has not enlisted my help. Got it. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you may be in the Jewish doghouse. <laughs> the Jewish doghouse. You're going to get into that Lena Dunham uh, list territory, and then we're going to get in trouble. It's it's a kosher doghouse. You don't have to worry. Don't, don't, don't talk about Jews and dogs. Apparently, the ADL gets all over you. But that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So enough with the tangents. Enough with the tangents. That was it for this episode. Up. Well, thank you for listening past our tangent. Uh, if you're listening live on Adobe, we appreciate your time. You can check in on us uh, to hear more from us at offtherecord.fm. And we're on iTunes. And you can leave us uh, happy birthday show review comments and all of that. But um, <laughs> we, have a, we have a slight bit of follow-up this week, which is uh, a few months ago, there was talk about the music industry changing the release date from the release day from Tuesday to Friday. Uh, we followed that up by confirming that it was going to start being on Fridays. And now it's seen that that has further been confirmed and that the first global release date will be Friday, July 10th. I just wanted to throw that out there. I am curious, and we don't have to really talk about it too much, but I've seen a few people ponder the idea, uh, which Jesse started talking to me about, if uh, if labels will just sort of ignore the release date. And, and Jesse, I think part of your commentary was it's not so much about the labels ignoring the release date, but as more music becomes independent and let's do what we want when we want it to, uh, the release date doesn't really matter. The, the, I think it's that and that also since managers seem to control this much more, that even though that the labels are the ones running the aggregating to the distributor, 
it's just, it seems like this is going to keep being ignored and ignored and ignored. Well, yeah, I'm curious. I have a, I have an email ready to send to uh, ADA, Bad Timing and Jade Cheese distributor regarding, we had a few releases um, planned for like July 14th. I'm not like spoiling anything there. And now I don't know if it's going to be July 14th or if it'll be, uh, or if it'll be July 17th or July 10th because of it's going from Tuesday to Friday. So I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of not excited, but I'm, I guess I'm going to enjoy the fact potentially that I can sort of talk about the change as it happens to me because I'll be putting out a few releases within that two week span of time. We'll have, we'll have real evidence. So another bit of follow up we have is we decided to start doing our new feature, which is hashtag TellOTR, where we get your feedback on some of the things we discuss. And this went really well this week. I actually think some people said some things better than we discussed. Yes, we value your opinions. One of the things I thought that was interesting, listener Twitter user xbrian44x said, I immediately thought of Green Day as I was listening to the podcast. Too music to digest becomes a chore, which I think is a great, great point because I think of those Green Day records and it did feel like a chore to me to like have to get through those. And if there's one thing you don't want with your big grandiose releases for it to be like, you feel like you're getting a homework assignment to listen to all of it. it well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I was like, God, do I have to listen to that? And I, frankly, I failed my homework because I only listened to the first record. And I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't listen to the other two. Yeah, no, I, I, to be honest with you, I think I scanned each one. Like, and I was just like, this is so uh, bad. Yeah, like, and, yeah. I, I don't even know that it necessarily needs to stop at double records as much as it's just like, even like really dense records. Like, yes. It's okay to make like a crazy dense record, but sometimes like um, I ha- I've had this conversation with Andy from Manchester, um, and simple math to me, the band's third record I like a lot, but I need to like I don't just hit play on that record, but I I feel happy to hit play on their other three records. But with that record, it's like it's dense, it's heavy. I have to be like, okay, I'm gonna listen to this now. This might destroy me, or it might take me a lot of headspace to listen through. And that, and that's a good record, and it's different than like Green mm-hmm. Day shitting out three bad records. But I think you know it can still be a thought. Like, did we make a record that's too much? Like, are you are you? Do you have a reason to not hit play? You know? Yeah, and I I think another of the great points that was made, and this one was by user at C Mun Three Y which is I feel like sometimes double albums tend to be overwhelming at first. It takes a long time to really get into the record. I think that that overwhelming thing is a big thing too, is that like one of the things we talked about in the favorite record episode, our favorite album episode, is the length of the record that we like. (laughs) And I find it always very interesting that for me, I tend to get bored with records around 35 to 40 minutes, but a lot of my favorite records are longer than that, but I notice I don't listen to them uh, all the way through. Like a great. Do you? Uh, I was younger when this transition started to happen, but like you, you actually have really good perspective as a producer. Um, when we started to go from like fourteen song records to ten song records, was that like? Were you stoked on that? I was. I think a more concise record is better, and I think one of the other hidden secrets that we should probably expand upon on another episode is that bands don't get about records a lot of the time is that you should write a lot more songs than you put on your records. And I think that that's something we've not discussed much. That is a, a real key to making a great record and is really lost that. Yeah, we should discuss that because every time I see a band tweet, wrote for, picked the best 10 out of 45 songs, that terrifies me. But I guess you're on the other side. 
Yeah, and well, I mean, I, I will tell you if it, it is one of those things. I mean, you're, you're, you know what? We'll get into this on the episode we tape tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Did we have any other good tweets from uh, th- this discussion, or should we move on? I think I think we can move on, but um, feel free to um, tell OTR hashtag, hashtag tell OTR, tell OTR. Um, if it, if you have a specific follow up to one of our commentary thoughts um, that you think we should work into the show. Uh, and also, as always, hashtag ask OTR to um, ask Jesse what is and what is not bunk. <laughs> I'm seeing now that I don't I forget what that um, what like the psychological term is. But now that you mentioned the term health goth to me, I am seeing it everywhere. And I you know what I'm talking about? Like when you don't know something exists and then you hear about it and then you hear about it every other day. I, I will tell you, too, you know, I went, went on a date with my girl last night and she was looking really health goth. Really? Yeah, I was I looking health goth last night. Uh, I mean, I got a professional haircut for the first time. Wait, 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 wait. You've never been to a barber before. No, I have, but like I stopped. So what, this is a tangent, Jesse. You're either gonna let me go or you're gonna stop. No, I'm, I'm, indul- I'm indulging because this. Okay, is so, so when I was like younger, uh, let's say zero to probably like twelve or something, my dad would always take me to where he got his haircut, which was like a professional place, right in Midtown. Um, and then we started getting haircuts in Jersey at like at a family friend's who is a professional haircutress or whatever, but she just she like she like hooked it up hairdresser hairdresser but she like hooked it up so I've never gotten a haircut in Philly before mm. but my hair has been way too long and I'm about to go on a trip and all that so my friend Eric was like you should go to this place called Salome so like they'll treat you right there I was like all right I'm, I I was very intimidated to go to get a haircut because I don't. This woman has been cutting my hair for, like, the better part of 10 years, and I don't have to tell her anything, you know? And so they did it. it I have, like, a real haircut, and they did the straight razor thing. What's that called? Oh, yeah. No, On no, the that, back of my neck. That's too fancy for me. That's too fancy. I was terrifying. I thought yeah. I was going to die. Uh, yeah, no. I, you ever I get see that? Those things, I, straight, straight, I think, I think of straight straight so they're, 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 razor blade? No, I, I don't do that. I mean, I also haven't gotten a haircut in four years, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Four years. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you turn. This is what happens when you turn thirty. No, you, you you would think I look like you know Rick Rubin, but you know it's because I shaved my own head. Wow, I'll never. Oh, I'm not coordinated enough. End of the tangent. Yes, end of the tangent. So, we're here to talk about the new hip technology the kids are using today. Are we a tech show? We are a tech show. Okay. Well, to give a quick roundup to those who have been seeing in their Twitter timelines, live now, hashtag Meerkat, hashtag Periscope. Um, there's an app called Meerkat that launched about three weeks ago that is uh, that live streams from your phone. Currently, it's iOS only. So, so, so let's, let's, let's uh, explain how this is different than YouTube. Okay, yeah. Um, so Meerkat is an app. And Periscope is similarly an app where uh, it connects through Twitter, your followers, uh, and you hit broadcast live. And um, suddenly followers of yours can see what your phone is looking at. That could be you walking down the street. That could be you taking a shower as Jesse cuts his hair. That could be um, you at a rock show. Or it could be uh, you drinking some beers. It could be anything. And how this is different from YouTube is that it's more, um, I believe the word would be ephemeral, right? Kind of similar to Snapchat in the way that it's like you watch it and it's probably done after that. The person shooting the video has the option to save it into their like uh, camera roll. 
but um, you're you're meant to be watching something live. It's it's not like a YouTube video of you're not going to see. Uh, it's it's not it's not like a vi- a YouTube video of something that was on uh, John Stewart last night or a new music video or something like that. It's it's literally live. Well, yeah, I saw that the features that they both have are that uh, it saves for 24 hours if you want to. Meerkat doesn't, but Periscope does. So you can rewatch for 24 hours. And that's actually one of the killer features of Periscope. Yeah. Uh, I was like, when I did my little playing with it yesterday, I was liking Periscope better than Meerkat, but I'm also a Twitter addict. Well, yeah. So, uh, and then just to go a little bit more on the background, Meerkat launched about three weeks ago. Um, it was built in eight weeks from the ground up, which is pretty impressive. And it, it kind of took off at South by Southwest as a darling of South by Southwest because all the bloggers were using it. However, news started to come out that Twitter was going to launch its own app called Periscope any anytime now. And they had bought Periscope a year ago and had been developing it for a year, which is obviously a lot more time than eight weeks. And they also have the full backing of Twitter. So Periscope launched this week. And it's just way better than Meerkat. Yeah. Uh, for instance, like it takes you, the, the, everything's better, including the most important part. When you go in to watch someone's live Meerkat, it can take up to 30 seconds to load like the video. Periscope is just much more in, instantaneous. And oddly enough, like it kind of launched on the perfect day in a, in a negative way, unfortunately, but like there was an explosion in New York this week. Oh, we, we, I walked by it last night. Really? So. Well, you, you know, I, I I was saying it, like, with one of my best friends, like, it's really weird, and, like, I, I to, to relate this to music, like, you think about when you fall in love with somebody, that there's always those songs you fell in love with the person, too. There's no one I know in my age group who, in their 20s, didn't fall in love with someone eating at Sushi Park. You're so excited that there's this place that had decent sushi that was somewhat affordable right in the middle of vil- the village, and you could eat there, and that place is gone now. Oh, it was there. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. It was it's very heartbroken to me. Like, my, my ex-girlfriend, who's one of my best friends, you know, it's like, when I think of that place, like, we fell in love, our friendship formed there, and it's exploded. <laughs> it's um, awful. So, yeah, there was this explosion that happened in New York and crumbled a building and really awful. Um, and it was the day that Periscope came out, and suddenly, like, I was watching live things of the destruction on this app. And um, so, like, some of the instant comparisons were like, could you have imagined this during, like, riots somewhere, during, uh, like, all the stuff that happened in Egypt a few years ago? Like, it's a lot. It's supposed to, like, it makes us all, in some ways, there's a few parts of this app, right? It's like, it can be a casual thing with friends. It could be literally giving people, like, imagine if this was a thing during Ferguson, right? Yeah. Like, it would have changed a lot of things probably um we were all watching very weird and strange live streams that no one knew where it was coming from versus like it gives the power of lot of vision to to every individual on the who has a f- smartphone and that's that's powerful yeah I, I you know rachel maddow did a great show a, a monologue about this on her show last week where she talked about like how when you have these quantum changes, so like one of the other big quantum changes this last week was um, Tesla coming out with that self-driving car thing. And now the world will never be the same. This is one of those moments where it's like people are going to be broadcasting. And she made the interesting point that like for politics, this is going to get people caught saying dumb things way more often. Mm, totally. Um, and I think for bands too, like, I, you know what I think is going to be really interesting? Like, you know, like 
when bands do really special sets now, and everybody's going to be able to see when a band's doing something. Because you're going to be, like, let's say you're on Twitter, and you hear that your dreams came true, and Tom has come back to Blink-22, and he randomly comes on stage to do it, and he's sitting there singing about all his psychopathic alien stuff. You can just search on Meerkat or Periscope and find who's streaming that. I mean, I'm, I am now uh, live Periscoping our conversation right now, Jesse. Are you really? Yeah. I was I was just like, let's see how long it would take me to hit broadcast. And uh, I'm already doing it. And there's wow. there's three people. They can't hear you, but they can hear they you. can hear me talking about someone just called me a suit. Oh. Um, I should show them that I'm only in boxers right now. Um, so I got I got dressed to do this. But, you know, you, you know, what I, I keep forgetting to mention, you know, I've been wearing through most of our podcasts lately. What have you been wearing in our podcast? The insane clown posse hoodie that you gave me. Oh my god! Because you know when it when it turns from winter to spring in that medium time, I, I like the studio gets a little cold, but not so cold to wear a jacket or something. And I, I you know, I need that hoodie, and I don't want to get my nice fashionable clothes dirty, so I put the ICP hoodie on. Well, I need to stop this broadcast so I can tell a quick story. Jesse, many years ago at Bamboozle 2011. I was set to. Are you gonna let me? Are you gonna indulge me here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was set to uh, God through Jesse's help, through through my dear friend Buddy Nielsen's help, through the help of Man Overboard. I had I had begun a quest to interview ICP at uh, Bamboozle. I was very excited about it. I shared my excitement with Jesse, and then we we hatched up a great idea where while I went, I sneakily contacted. ICP's manager to set up an interview. I was very polite because I didn't want to spook them. And then we transitioned to, wait, we could have Zach and Buddy from Man Overboard and Census Fail interview ICP and me film it. And it just be, and and like Zach wrote questions probably written by Jesse and mm. Buddy, and Buddy <laughs> yes. wrote questions and Buddy wrote some like legit questions. And uh, it was, it was time to, it was time to do it, and and his manager can, and ICP's manager canceled the interview, and I was very very sad. To make it up to me, <laughs> ICP's manager sent me a lot of um, ICP branded um, clothing, in in which was like what what sized hoodie is that, Jesse? Oh my god, like double XL. Like it's a juggalo sized only hoodie. It, it is. It, it's midwestern size, is the way I put it. Oh wow, that's good. <laughs> and uh, I sent it to Jesse. It was. It, it cost like thirty pounds to ship because that's how large it was. And um, he still wears it to this day, and it's probably the greatest show of our friendship. But it, it, it's true, you know. It has a uh, pocket in the left elbow for you to hide your weed in. No way. <laughs> it does. It's so funny. Every time I feel that, I'm like, what the fuck were they thinking when they did this? That's so good. Yeah, it's really um, hilarious. Wow. Okay, so we were talking about something important. Periscope. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so, so let's relate this to music. Yes. Um, so um, I, I, I'm kind of, I, I, you know, I'm usually an optimistic person. I feel like this is like getting me to be the curmudgeon and really think this is going to be a really bad thing for music. Really? I'm so excited about this. See, one, I don't want these fuckboys holding up their phones through the whole show. I already hate that so much. Okay, so do you think that will become more of a thing? Like, Oh, I think that there's going to be people who are going to meerkat periscope whole shows. Okay. 
Interesting. I mean, well, Nick Mango's article for you yeah. that he wrote this week, didn't he do that for the uh, entire show? He did. I was going to do it for Kevin last night, but uh, I did not have enough service in Le Poisson, Poisson Rouge. Le, po- Le Poisson Rouge. Le yes. Poisson Rouge. I did not have enough service, so I couldn't do it. So one, that's annoying as fuck. For two, <laughs> those, like, fuckboy bands that, like, you know, like, the ones who who abuse social media all day long are going to do the worst things with this. Like, they're going to be meerkatting in Periscope and their fans like, we love you so much all day long. It's going to be the worst thing ever. All those, like, MySpace band type bands that are just annoying as hell are about to get even more annoying with this. Like, we're meerkatting us in the van on tour. Ask us anything. Her, her, her. Ugh, I, I, I can feel the gun going Well, so in my there's clearly, already. like, it's with any service, though, right? There are the offenders, there are the ones that do it poorly, but I, I think sure. this is really interesting. Like, so I, so you, I know you're too old to download Snapchat, but... I, 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 I've downloaded it, I just don't use it right. anymore, so, I kind of hate it. So Snapchat's a really interesting service, I think. Um, I, I don't snap a lot of things but i re- i fought like i'm friends or followers or whatever of a few people and also a few companies and it's really i think like this and meerkat i think are really compelling because it's for bands and frankly brands that do it right um it's kind of like i need to see this or i miss something you know and and if bands can if bands can get it right where it's like we're gonna do something every day and if you don't miss it, and if, sorry, and if you don't see it during that day, you've missed out on it because that's what it is. It, it vanishes mm-hmm. after 24 hours, both on Periscope and Snapchat, right? So you need to continue checking in. You need to continue to stay focused with the band or the brand or the company or whatever. And I think that's special. I think I think if bands can pull that off, there's a deeper connection there and more and more coming back. Well, okay. So here's my other thing is I think we're getting to an age where there's going to be too, content's too easy to produce, and there's going to be content overload. And, like, can you really devote your life to, like, watching these things all the time and, like, get into the most menial, menial things? Like, I think, like, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like, this, you know, we do a podcast. So there's this whole discussion of how, like, podcasts kind of like ours are getting a little bit more devalued because you get these high production podcasts like startup and serial right say. right the the there's there's hopefully uh as there are more and more two white guy podcasts there will hopefully be more produced uh good podcasts are you calling me white I'm re- you're so white you <laughs> shaved you have not gotten a haircut in four years <laughs> um, i think there's gonna be a point hit where this all just becomes too fucking boring for everybody now i do like the democratization that if you want to overly indulge in this stuff it's great and you can choose your time of who to indulge with and i i love that if you really think it's valuable to look at some band in the studio all day while i yell at them about how their guitar is out of tune god bless you for being that much of a spectator but when do we start to get to the point that, like, there's so much content that everybody's being a spectator and no one's creating anything of value? I don't know if it's going to really go that far, but this does seem like another step towards when we start to see this, that the, there's just too much. You, you know, it's like a really funny thing. Every year of my life for re- recent years, I would hit a point in the year at some point where I've run out of TV to watch. Right. Yeah. All the, I do that. That happens to me all the time. I can't. 
run out anymore because I'm always behind. And I'm really busy, but like, there's also a thing of, I think I have still the same amount of time to devote to TV, but there's so much content I want to watch now that it's hard to find the time to watch everything I want to watch. So are you saying that you're worried, not even worried, but just like, well, I don't have time to watch any of you bands do stuff. Yeah, like, listen. So are you, you the know, target so, audience, though, or is it the 17-year-old no, in high school who is who does not pay attention during class? Well, so, 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 yeah, sure. And part of me, though, thinks that's the time that you should be learning to play your instrument or learning how to create something good. And then now we're going to be filled with more type of big spectator. But I also think that there's a lot of people who... When, you know, there's also this thing of, like, when you have, you're filling the world with this content that's free and valueless, I wonder what that's going to do to paid content that's actually produced. Like, are is are people going to devalue the idea of, like, ever paying for anything when they can just watch some cheap shit that is less produced, but maybe they're, everybody's just going to get so used to this. I wonder... I don't know what it's going to do, but I, I think it's going to be a very interesting thing, and I think this is a very big moment. That's what I should say. Okay, yeah, I'm interested. I'm, I, I should say, like, this moment, I'm much more excited for the technology of Periscope for, like, the world than I am for music, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think, seriously, like, I think the the best example I've been able to think of and that I've been able to read has been, like, something like Ferguson, right? Like, yes. it would have been co- potentially incredibly changing for the thing, for the ordeal. When the riots were happening, there was people doing live streams. Yeah, but I was like, watching it, a lot of right? Those. But I think this this could be a way, like let's say there's a groundswell of users on Periscope, right? Like that becomes the app for it for sure. Then we're all going to be able to be much more in tune to it rather than like chasing down. Like I was clicking on strange links during Ferguson to live stream stuff. You know, yes, I was like, what yes, am I doing? I here? Like, I, am I gonna? I don't know. <laughs> um, but if we're all, you know, if we're all going through one app. That, that could be special. And that, you know, unfortunately... Some, Agreed. Unfortunately, something like Ferguson is going to happen in the world sometime this year, probably, as well. And oh, yeah, it's going it's to happen in Indiana in the next two weeks after that stupid shit that just went on there. Right. This this thing, these things, there are terrible things that happen all over the world every day. And, and apps like this could really shine some light on those scenarios. Um <laughs> And that's interesting to me, and that's I think great. Um, for music, I don't really know. I, I like um, there, there's a lot to do, and a lot of it is meaningless. But if I can, let's just say I use Snapchat or Instagram or Periscope or whatever to um, show the unboxing of Bad Timing Records' next three vinyl releases before they've been officially announced, or the day before they've been announced, or something like that, right? Like. If we can get more people to be like, "Oh, I saw this, and now I want it early," maybe that transit, maybe that translates, maybe that doesn't. But I, I don't really know regarding music. But I'm curious, and I, I really like the service. And I've, I've watched a bunch of people try it out over the past few days, and and I've, I have found it compelling. But none of those people have been music people, to be fair. Well, what I would be curious about is if any of our listeners have a perspective on this and if they're excited about this or they think this is our society going to hell in a handbasket. Mm. So you can tell, hashtag tell OTR any of your opinions and send us a, we'd love to hear what you think, but I'm really not looking forward to the person who puts their phone up in front of me at a show. Please uh, also, listener, do do um, tell OTR if you feel like Jesse's being an old man this week. <laughs> Uh, so the show thing is fair, but I, I feel like that happens all the time anyway. And we're all like, if, if we're like, the- yeah, but, but, but pictures happen and you know, you take a picture and then you put it down. This is having it up the whole damn time. 
I guess. I, I don't know. To me, it's like, oh, that's already a lost cause, right? You know, I know any show I go to, there are professional photographers. And I know, like, I could find those uh, photographs. And so mm-hmm. I would imagine the other people in the room. Yeah, they are all taking photos that they'll never look at again. And, uh, like, I think it's just a lost cause. <laughs> Though, did, you did see that selfie stick stuff, and right? From Coachella and Lollapalooza. I did not see that. Coachella, yeah, Coachella and, bon- and uh, Lollapalooza, they are banned. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yep. It's, uh, did, you see, did you see the people who took the s- selfie in front of the explosion? I did. You, did you see it on the cover of the New York Post today? I d- did not, but I hope to God those people are shamed into leaving New York. <laughs> yeah, it's the cover of the New York Post. That's why I thought, I thought we were going to have a little segment talking about the New York Post and about how we usually wouldn't want to talk about the New York Post. This is one of the most toxic forces in New York society. The cover today is selfies at tragic blast site, village idiots, and then their subheadline is say sleaze. Pretty good. Ooh, pretty, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Right? Every, I mean, every once in a while they get a good headline in there. I mean, I'm, they're, 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 they're I'm cool with selfie sticks. I just am not. I oh. think they're dangerous at uh, festivals. Oh, oh, awful. Moving on. <laughs> so. A band I've worked with called Forever Losing Sleep wrote in something that I think a lot of our musician listeners would like a perspective on. They're presently doing really well with their uh, new record. Uh, It's very high up in the rankings on Bandcamp, and they wanted to capitalize on this by writing to a label. They wrote to me, and they wanted some input on a letter, and I figured you and I could dissect this letter and talk about this. I think, interestingly, you wrote a really—you had a writer write a really good piece for you this week about how to approach people in the music business. Maybe you talk about that first, and then we go through this. We have an ongoing monthly series on the the site called Get Schooled that is written by Jamie Coletta, who's a publicist at Side One Dummy and a good friend of mine. Um, she is in my mind writing the, uh, writing the gospel currently. Um, these are all things that I think about every single day for five years and, um, I get too angry to write them and she's really good at writing them and writing them and enjoying She's doing a great job. And it's helpful. It's not putting anyone down. It's like it, it balances between funny, snarky, and legitimately educational for bands and, and I think readers. Uh, and, and it's been going really well, and I seriously look forward to reading it every month. It's so good. Um, and so her article this week, um, if, you, you know, if you just Google properties that get schooled, you'll find it, but it's uh, how to approach how to approach the industry without driving them absolutely insane. <laughs> and so it's about, there's sections about crafting the perfect cold email pitch, which is what we're about to get into, right? And we should explain a cold email is writing to somebody that you have never talked to before and trying to introduce them to your music. Right. and, and the, Which I think we would both agree is nine times out of 10, a very lost cause, even if you write the best email. Agreed. But what you can should always try not to do is try not to make a fool of yourself in that email, whether that's yes. spelling the person's name wrong um, if you're emailing property of Zach, don't say absolute punk because you just emailed 10 people and you got confused on one of them. Happens all the time. Yeah, because then I look at your band name and I go, oh, God, these morons are contacting me. Right. At least don't. At least if you're somehow going to get someone's attention a year later, don't for some reason make them remember that you were an idiot a year ago, I guess. Right. Yes. So 
I think that's the key is if you're going to do this practice, which is usually a lost cause and you could be spending your time. I like, you know, I wrote a whole book that argues instead of doing this, that you should be trying to get fans to do this work for you. Oh, yeah. And that's basically the premise of my book is that what you want to do is you want to get fans talking about you so much that the labels take notice because that is what they do are the label, the booking agent, the manager. That's really the thing you should be doing. Um but if you're going to do this, let's talk about what this should look like. So the first thing with this letter is it's three paragraphs long, and I'd say about 15 sentences. Jesse, I can't read anything. I don't know how I'm going to read this much. I have to scroll <laughs> yep. down, up and down on the Google Doc to get up and down it. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, it, it is true. You should never, like, two small paragraphs are the longest this should you ever be. You want to be an... So I've, I've now seen this in a lot of ways, through the site, through management, through the label. Jesse's seen it through his site, through his book stuff, through uh, through being a manager, a producer, a, right, a podcaster, right? Like we've, we've seen them all good and bad and somewhere in between. And like, unfortunately, if an email is like seven block paragraphs, you don't, I, you don't stand a chance because I don't even stand a chance to make it through. If Thomas sends me an email that long, I'm telling him to go screw himself. Uh, <laughs> sure, this is this, this is too long of an email. Yeah, you're not trying to write. You're not trying to write a five paragraph essay. Mm-hmm. So concise is the first thing. Yeah. So let's get into the content. So the letter says, "Hey, my name is Joe, and I sing in a band. Uh, I sing in and manage a band called Forever Losing Sleep from New Jersey. We formed in September of 2012, and since then we've played 150 plus shows, completed seven two to three week long East Coast tours, and played multiple festivals up and down the coast. So far, so good. One of the first things you want to do is say, "Hey, I've been doing this. Here's an exceptional detail about wh- how hard we work. Great way to start off. Then it goes downhill a little." We released our first full-length titled I Lost Myself Again on October 14, 2014, which was mastered by The Lodge, brand new against me and the Foo Fighters and many more. Here's where I think we go downhill. Okay. I'm a mastering engineer, Uh and I will tell you who mastered your record and putting their credits is the stupidest thing you can do because every business person in the music business knows that mastering engineers, one, don't discern whether you... You know, have all you have to record. do is have money. Right. Yeah, all, all you have to do is have money, and we do it. I, you know, the only time I've ever turned down mastering a record is when it ha- had a racist song, and I sent the band the money back. Right, because it's because you can still do your you can still do your job, and it, you're, yeah. frankly, the record doesn't have to be good or bad or whatever to do your job of mastering it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's really like we're just tilting treble and bass and trying to make it loud. Right. So this is ridiculous to put those number, names on it. The only other thing that's more ridiculous than this is putting down the bands you've opened for, especially when you say you've opened for a band when you played a festival and you were on the side stage in the parking lot and you're claiming that you opened for this band. Yeah, don't do that. End of that rant. Yeah, so oh, you want to keep going down it? Yeah, so the, they go on to say, we're currently number one on the emo, post-rock, post-hardcore, screamo, indie rock, and ambient charts in Bandkip, as well as number five on the indie chart, number eight on the rock chart. This is all great, and this should be probably the second sentence after you, the sentence right after you say who you are. Yeah, this is, th- that would be a legitimate reason. To, like, that might make me listen to a band, right? Yeah, or it may tell you that eh, the, the, someone could like this. But yeah, depending on who you're, who, depending on the person you're emailing, it's like, oh, this could be a successful band. Someone likes it. I could sign this to my label. I could manage this. I could whatever. Like, there, the, there are reasons there. 
So within the first month of releasing the record, we had over 1,000 downloads and over 10,000 listens on Van Gippel. In the past month, we've had 8,000 listens and 600 downloads, and the numbers just keep going up. So this is a little too much numbers right. for me. This is part of like what you can do. And like when we talk about this email being concise, this is part of what you do is you sit there, when you get done with the email, you write it long, and you say, how can I say what I'm saying in a faster fashion so this thing is not intimidating to read and the person doesn't want to hit delete. Yeah. Did you know that there's a punk band called Costanza? Uh, you know, I think I did know they that. Have, their album is number one on the punk charts of Bandcamp currently, and it's called Dickscography, and I am ready to go into this later. But, um, you, yeah, so what Jesse was saying, you have to write everything that you want to say out. It can be 50 paragraphs long. Write it all out, whatever you want to say. And then realize, like, take a step back Put yourself in the put yourself in the shoes of who you're writing to, and when they receive that email, you you may be writing to them because they're important, because they're successful. If they're important or successful or busy, they're busy, right? So, do, does that person have time to read through your five to ten paragraphs? The answer is probably no, right? This is true. So their next paragraph is, we plan on pushing ourselves harder than ever this year. We're on track to play close to 100 shows. We have a four-and-a-half-week U.S. tour booked this July-August with Arrows and her, who are on Brooklyn World Media. Another extended tour of the fall being planned out, as well as a three-to-five-day tour booked for our month in between the more, the more extended tours. We have a music video by Michael O'Connor, The Sass Landscape, Things Fall Apart, and many more in pre-production due to be released in April. And we'll also be releasing two songs on a split with a band called A Film in Color later on this year. This is all good, but it could be said faster yet again. Right. Um, the next paragraph says, as you can see, we have lots of things going on this year. We've constantly so much more of a strip of time all on our own. That's why I'm reaching out to you. This is more that you could trim away. We love and appreciate label name. So this is the other thing that I think that's very important. When you're writing this label, it is worth putting a sentence or two of saying why you have a kinship with this label or management or one of their bands. Right. Like, I, I often say that the most important thing to do with that, if you want to do letters like this, is that you get a band on that person's label that you're friends with to send this to them and say, hey, this band's really good. You should check them out. Yeah. But you really, if you're going to do one of these, you want to say, like, if I was writing to Zach and I was in a band, I would say, hey, Bad Timing's released a bunch of my favorite records this year, and I would really love to be a part of what you guys are doing because I believe in it. And then I'd get a serotonin hit from Ego. Yes. And I would maybe check it out. Um, but so, yeah, so there's nothing, the, the thing, the things inherently wrong with this email are fixable. Um, yes. There, there's clearly some points of success. Some you've, you've played shows, you, you, you have work ethic. Um, you're, you're somewhat aware of, at least probably aware of the community around you. These are all good things. Um, so I'm still right now on the get schooled article from this week and I'm going to read out the four points that Jamie suggested that you need to craft um, the cold pitch email. Introduce yourself and your band. Mention where you're from. If it's a small town in the middle of nowhere, say that. Two, state what you're looking for immediately. Three, give me a little background on your band, but not too much. Uh, here's where you can really spark someone's interest if you're slick enough. And four, provide a streaming link for audio and one to two YouTube videos if you have them. And... That I think that's all accurate, and and Jamie like hinted at it a few times. Be immediate, be quick, don't ramble. Um, it's really easy to kind of like 
pad your sentences when you when you're nervous about who you're emailing, right? Like just just be just be sure, don't be brief rather, right? And and don't make someone not read your email because it's too long. <laughs> like don't don't lose the opportunity for someone to click your music link because you emailed them too many words. I think that's a that that is all really really good points. And one more thing, um, mm-hmm. please, for the love of God, do not attach songs to me. Yeah, Ooh. do not do not attach me fifteen songs that are all twenty megabytes. That wouldn't be a thing. Don't attach to me three songs that are multiple megabytes. Give me your Bandcamp link. Why don't you have if you're if you're attaching me songs? Why don't you have a Bandcamp link? That's bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to say like, here's my Bandcamp link. I have new demos that I'd love to send you if you're interested. Don't don't include the demos. Just say you've got new demos, and maybe I'll want to hear them. You know, like just don't don't bog down the email. Uh, on a related note, something I've been wanting to say on this podcast for a long time: if you use WeTransfer or Hightail or Mediafire to send me things, I fucking hate you. I'm cool with Media Mediafire in 2015 is a joke. Yeah, like how you're is just, it existing? I I I don't know, but uh, you know what's insane to me is that there's sometimes professional people who use these services who make I don't money. Have a, well, most people use WeTransfer, man. WeTransfer is a thing. WeTransfer is the least offensive of them, but there's it's still Hightail's a, a thing too. One of your dear friends uses Hightail. Hightail, you know, and I've lectured him about that many a time. Yeah, and I they're even, even they're, pass, they're password protected Hightails, and I'm like, come on, son. Yeah, it, it, and at that Hightail, you have to click each download separately, and it takes the person on the other end so long to do this. It, it's an insult to somebody else's time. Mm-hmm. Use Dropbox or use Google Drive or get the fuck out. <laughs> so, with yet again one of my cranky rants down. It's been three weeks now, Jesse. When have we? When do we just decide that this is who you are? You know, I I, we, I feel like when we the first forty some odd episodes of this podcast, I was usually bright and cheery. Unless were. we talked about Taylor Swift or Five Seconds of Summer. And you want to talk about One Direction, the dude leaving? Would that make you happy? You know, I'll tell you. I have a, I have a theory. I think I think the girlfriend was whispering in his ear, going, "You're the Justin Timberlake. You're the Justin Timberlake." But really, he's the JC. Huh. Okay. Let's be honest here. Let's. Just, I'm just saying. You know nothing. more about this situation than me, so. I'm, just, I'm saying I think that that's how it's going down. So we have a few questions this week. As always, you can uh, tweet hashtag AskOTR and we'll uh, answer them. So the first question about health goth this week is <laughs> from Logan. A bit of a strange question for you guys. What do people in bands do about jury duty? Mostly involving the fact that they tour throughout the whole year and have tours booked in advance. Is this ever something they even worry about? Do they, Jesse? I've seen people get away with deferring. Um, there's a, the interesting thing is a lot of um, and that will come into a re- related question. A lot of people that I've known in bands have uh, felonies on their records, so then they can't do jury duty. Is that a thing? I did not know that. Uh, here's a fun fact: I got convicted of a felony before I was eighteen, mm-hmm. um, and. So I used that to get out of jury duty for a while, but then they figured out that I was bullshitting and I had to start going to jury duty. I was going to say, before you just said that, that I would imagine that you're one of the people that loves jury duty. 
But I was also conflicted in saying that. You are exactly right that I love. I could see it in like two that. ways. I could see you hating all the people, but also loving that you get to hate all the people. I could see you being able to be like, yeah, of course I um, of course I am involved in America's future and decisions. I, I, I love civic. Th- I mean, you know, I go to community uh, council meetings. Like, I love yeah, that type this of stuff. Yeah, this is your thing. They created it for well, you. So, but here's the other thing about it is uh, lawyers don't want people like me on the jury. No, you're terrible. So I never get cho- chosen. Because the thing is, is when I think something's right, I'm going to convince the other jurors. I would, I'm never going to stop. And I'm going to be the person who makes the jury get hung. Um, that and when then they also ask if I believe in God and say I'm an atheist, they usually just throw me out. Really? Oh yeah, that, that, that's the thing. So too, what if I say atheist. I'm a health goth? Will I be thrown out? <laughs> I think they're just going to be really confused. Like this guy's a creep. He's got to go. <laughs> I was I was uh, asked to be jury duty dies last summer, but I can get out because I have school. Ah, I didn't know that was a thing too. Jess, so, Jesse, I start my last semester tomorrow. Wow, it's going to be so crazy. Remember, remember when you knew me when I was in high school. I do. I mean, you're, you're growing up so fast. So it's, fast. It's they like, grow up so quick. Yeah. I mean, wow. So anyway, uh, I think that's the thing is you defer and then you tell them when what month you're around and they'll usually schedule you for it. You can say you're traveling out of the country. They'll often ask if you to see the plane ticket to know for sure. Mm. I got away with getting away with uh, getting out of jury duty forever. And one of the times I got away for it because I was living in Chico, California. Chico. You know, Strange yeah. place out there. I love that city. Yeah. Nine to, nine to one female to male ratio. Really? Dude, come on. Oh, yeah. It's great. I had a great time. Nookie. No, that was not for the nookie. Uh, that was okay. that was saves the day sound the alarm. Uh, not, for not for the nookie. Different different California nookie experience. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and the next question is for me. It says, do you have any recommendations for a midline turntable? I currently have an Audio-Technica LP60 and looking to upgrade soon. Well... Coincidentally, I wrote an article for Zach about this. It's called, uh, uh, I actually forgot what it's called. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called either. Uh, but we'll put the link in the show notes. And uh, But yes, I do. Uh, you should get what Zach owns, which is the Project Carbon, or what I own, which is the musical um, MF 2.1. Yeah, and the article is called If You're Looking for a New Record Player, Here Is Your Guide by Jesse Cannon. It has 280 Tumblr notes. It is a hit. A hit. A hit. And uh, yeah, I have the I have the project. I love it. I have been listening to vinyl more and more lately. Jesse is going to come and visit my setup soon. And uh, I he I don't know what he's gonna say. I hope he says nice things about it. Uh, I'm nervous, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I recommend my setup greatly. Uh, but this article should do you well. It goes through speakers, headphones, monitor switches, record players, accessories, and listening. Jesse really nerded out on it. Yeah. Uh, so then the next question is, what are your thoughts on ba- bands wearing other band shirts and promo picks? Cred Booster? Tacky? This is interesting, actually. Yeah. I, I, well, I, you know what? I, I, I always think about it, and I, I've often told bands this, because bands like love to do promo photos in the weird building my studio's in. Oh, yeah. That's a good promo building. Yeah. I often say you should wear your friends' bands or the bands you want to bring up. But, yeah, there's nothing cornier than wearing, like, the huge band that you're ripping off's T-shirt. Right. You don't wear, please don't wear a Blink-182 shirt in your promo yeah, photo. Yeah, I mean... I think it's if you're you know it's like one of the funny things with a band too is that usually in a band like let's say there's five people 
there's the one person who doesn't really listen to the type of music they make. And if that person listens to really corny things, like he wears the Alter Bridge t-shirt. What's that? That's the band that Creed became without the lead singer who went crazy. Uh, They're like one of the worst bands that's ever existed. Yeah, don't wear that. Uh, I mean, if you want to be judged by me, don't wear your Taylor Swift shirt. Yeah. Oh, I have a Taylor Swift shirt. Did you know that? Wow, is that? I'm going to wear it on Monday. The, 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 the resp- oh, jeez. I'm you, definitely going to wear it on Monday. You're going to you're gonna really make me crazy on that episode. <laughs> I'm going to pick Jesse up in my car, and uh, I'm going to be in a Taylor Swift shirt. Oh, man. But uh, the, ba- the band shirt thing is interesting. I actually have a manager that managed a band on Bad Timing that we recently had new promos for, and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't usually like my bands and band shirts at all, but... This is okay. So I think up to a point, regardless, it's totally cool, especially as a younger band. But I think there hits a point where you're kind of like, you got to be a grown-up now. Um, Yeah, I think this is one of the worst things bands do is that when they feel like they have to be the grown-up and they, like... There's nothing worse than like bands wearing suits oh, and they don't, I don't really mean wear like suits a suit. and like or like but even like dressing up and like being like here's my one good outfit that I can afford. Like come on son, it just looks so dumb when bands try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't mean like you got to go from like like ah you I mean more than I think anything. You should wear, I think you should wear what you wear on stage. Yes. Uh um uh, I agree actually. Be, right. I, I think that's the key is be yourself because it looks tacky when you're not yourself. So I, should, you got so a I good shouldn't wear my blank shirt, shirt, though, is what you're telling me. I don't think you should wear if you if you if you and I had a band and you showed up with your blank shirt, I'd be like, come on, dog. We're, we're, we're a band that's more underground. Dude, I have seasonal blank shirts, though. Oh, my Jesus. I have a uh, I have a uh, St. Patrick's Day blank shirt. I have a Thanksgiving blank shirt. I have a Christmas blank shirt. I have a 4th of have, July bling shirt. So, so I guess for me, I have three New, or, New Order shirts. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So these are just normal shirts, though, right? Like, they're no, not, New like, or- seasonal shirts. Yeah, they're, like, they're just T-shirts. Right. I have a black one. I have a gray one. I have a white one because <laughs> I, I got a rep, rep one of my favorite bands, New Order, and they have good T-shirt designs. That's fine. I, so, like, all, but this is the difference between us. All I own are band shirts. Yeah. And I own probably, like, ten brand-new shirts. Like ten blink shirts. Wow. Through Man Overboard. I assume I could wear Man Overboard shirts just from accumulating them over time for ages. Um all I have a band shirt. I have so many Glamour Kill shirts. Like I just it's great. Wow. I don't have to shop, you know? Wow. I, I, I bought a beanie how, recently. Wow. I, I you know, I've never owned one of those. It's going well with my new professional haircut. I I I just can't wait to see. Thank you. My mom doesn't like it. Oh man! Yeah, I know. It's really cause bad. Okay, but how's your girl? How's your girlfriend feel about she it? She feels okay. I'm, I'm, I'm visiting. I'm going from 25 degrees New York to 90 degrees uh, West Coast this week, and and she's she's interested. It was her idea, so mm. uh, she doesn't really get much slack if she hates it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the next question is. I'm a musician who is working as a solo artist, but I've always played a bad, so I'm nervous about going solo. Pros or cons of both? Hmm. Well, <laughs> the cons of going solo is it's usually terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk from Jesse Cannon. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I think there's a thing that is very understated, and I think we've talked about this a little before, is that there, you know, the other members of your band are there to be your bouncing board, and very few people, like I, I always, I say this to people a lot, that one of the things um, that's overlooked about Albert Einstein's genius oh, is man. when we call him this a genius. This is going to be terrible. People, this is great. Is that when we call him a genius, Albert Einstein knew that he wasn't the smartest person about things, but what he did is he found people who are experts about things. Incidentally, one of my recommendations is be is I'm reading that book, uh, what is it called? Inventing Steve Jobs. Yes. Have you started? Yeah, I started Becoming it like Steve yesterday. Jobs. Becoming Steve Jobs. I haven't started um, it yet, but and it's a very similar thing they say about him in the book. Uh, is that like Steve Jobs knew when he wasn't an expert about something, so he'd go and find an expert. Hence why he hired Johnny Ive. Mm, can I correct you? Well, go ahead. Uh, Johnny, I- Johnny Ive was hired when Steve was ousted from the company. And St- oh, that's right. You're, and right. you're right. Steve Jobs was going to fire all the designers when he came back to the company, and he decided to spare Johnny Ive's life. And then they had a beautiful friendship and relationship yes, after. You're, you're totally right. But so he still goes to Johnny Ive. Yes, though. yes. They had, the a, they had an incredibly deep relationship creatively. Yes. So I think that that's the biggest con is that a lot of times solo music isn't made well. And you see all these solo artists running to different producers because they're really trying to get that objectivity you get from having a band. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. That's a really good point of view, actually. Yeah, I've been down this road a lot. Mm. I mean, I'm going I, solo. I, oh, have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> but what will you do without my bad attitude? <laughs> I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, pros of it? You uh, the, you could try to bring back acoustic songs now that Dashboard's back. Mm. Um, that's you it. Could, uh, yeah, I, I'm not feeling too good about this here. Acoustic songs are hard, huh? Like, I realized it when Tom released his acoustic song from his Blink demos, and I was like, it's so hard to write, like, a good acoustic song. Well, so you want to know the hidden secret about this, too? So you think about, like, Radiohead. And like, especially even like post OK Cupid Radiohead, or not OK Cupid, OK Computer. At the core of those weird songs, if you picked up any of those songs and just played it on an acoustic guitar, it's a really good song. Just with chords alone, it sounds phenomenal. And I think that that's one of the things people forget is what makes going solo acoustic hard is that it has to actually be a really good song. You can't dress it up with all the production and all the tricks that we use to manipulate people into thinking these are good songs. Yeah. That makes the game a little harder. Um, And, you know, your voice is naked, you're sitting there, and, you know, there's not much to disguise. You can't can't fake it anymore. It's true. And, you know, also, the auto-tune shines a lot more on uh, solo acoustic stuff. Would you use auto-tune on my voice, Jesse? Can you just plop auto-tune on my voice right here at this very moment? You, you, you want to know something no one wants to hear? Yeah. Either either of our weird voices sing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for our last question this week, uh, what are the steps that one would take to find out if his or her criminal record would interfere with them being able to tour in other countries? Tough question. So I've been down this road. Yes. A, me- a certain member of a certain band I used to manage had a, had a nice little felony on his record that led us to a lot of trouble. And uh, what you have to do is you have to con- uh, uh, consult that government. If you look, uh, if you Google, let's say, traveling to Canada felony, it's going to tell you exactly where to contact. And they're going to tell you everything you need to do with what you did to do this. Um, we ended up getting his record expunged. 
so that he was able to do it. We were very lucky that his mother was born in Canada. So he was able to go to and from much easier. That's tough. You really got to do the legwork. You cannot take it even a little bit on chance because are you about to spend a grand to take it on a ticket to go to Europe and actually spend like five grand if all band members are going and then to get turned around? Like, don't do that. You really got to make sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, contact the uh, appropriate uh, people. I don't know whether it's the embassy or the government that does in each country, but if you just Google that, people have this problem every day. There's uh, websites devoted to what you do for this. Just do that. Yes, just do that. So, we have some recommendations this oh, week. Oh, yeah. I'll uh, recommend a few things, and then you can recommend something that confuses me. Okay. Um, I saw Kevin Devine play his last show of tour last night in New York City. It was very lovely. Uh, continue to check Kevin Devine out and all his lovely Bad Timing Records releases. <laughs> um, I'll recommend uh, the new Death Cab for Cutie record that Jesse will laugh at. I, I, I will recommend you don't waste your time on I that I think it's, an incre- it's currently my album of the year. What? Really love it. Deeply love it. I want to know what, what, what where are you getting the crack that you're smoking? Have like you listened South to Philly, it? Bethlehem? Have you listened to yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, I listened to the stream with a few songs. I got three songs that I couldn't take. Uh, out. I love it. I think it's great. I think it. I think it's similar to Plans in a lot of ways, and I really like it. Um, also, just uh, since I was scrolling through my iTunes, uh, Jake from Modern Baseball has a little sl- uh, side project called Slaughter Beach. They're fun songs, and uh, you can check that out too. I have. A serious intellectual recommendation, as I was saying, uh, Becoming Steve Jobs, I think, is a very insightful book. I, I'm actually enjoying it more than I enjoyed the Steve Jobs biography, which is a book I really enjoyed. Did you know that is currently regarded as a horrible book? And well, it's really funny that how when it came out, people were like, this is a great book. But Apple people, I feel like they really did a PR push that that was a terrible book. Because everybody loved that book when it came out. Yeah, and they, they're, they're, they're highly recommending this. Um, they've thrown all the they've thrown all their weight behind it. Yeah, really interesting. I, I and I think that's really weird because I kind of think it's like almost a revisionist history. Because people, when that book came out, people were losing. I mean, it was I would call it one of the like if you told me I could only recommend twenty books, that would be in there. Yeah. Um, but this is seeming like it's better. It's really, really good so far. I'm only about an hour into listening to it. Oh, so you're listening? I only listen. I, I ch- 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 got interested because I bought it. I bought it. I think I'm also awesome. like I bought the iBook, but I think I'm going to actually just do the audiobook because I'm going to be riding on some planes and in the van soon. Yeah, I, I, I will confess my dirty little secret, which is that while I read, quote unquote, read two to three books a month, um, I really do them all, almost listen, all listening. I have a long commute each day and then I have a lot of silent work to do during the day. Uh, my other recommendation, which is much more lowbrow, is the show Walk of Shame Shuttle. I think it's the funniest show that reality TV has ever produced. So when you tweeted this, I imagine you walking home or from the studio getting out of like Port Authority on one of those small buses and one of and like just seeing a lot of walk of shame. So that's what I pictured in my oh, head. Oh no, no, no. It, it is a show where they interview people about their sexual experience the night on their way home the next day. And it is just so funny. It's it's great. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Off The Record this week. If you're listening on Adobe, please feel free to uh, also convert yourself to uh, subscribing to us on iTunes or your podcast client of choice. 
You can keep up with us at offtherecord.fm. Jesse is on at Twitter at Jesse Cannon, and I am at Zizarello. Thank you, and we'll be back next week.